Hey guys, and welcome back to, I, it's not a full episode of In the Barn. This is an in-between, a halvesy episode where Kelsey is going to be telling us all about the tea she learned. I have no idea what it is, but I am so excited. Yes, this is a bonus episode, as we like to refer to it in the podcast world. Bonus. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Basically, only stick around if you are here for some real Looney Tunes, rabbit hole, uh panhandle behavior like this is like if you're into true crime you may enjoy this only one murder occurred and it's not a human but it is the reason i will never buy a uh cross under bridal no way oh yeah no this haunted me like this kept me up at night like i all right spill the tea start talking start talking kid i don't have the patience for this okay good and i hope i like built it up and you're all like woo, and then i get through it and you're like (laughs) ha that was (laughs) <laughs> that. So first off, let me just start with Dr. Robert Cook did not invent the cross under bridle. Like we kind of, I hinted at that in the very beginning. He did not. It was around the 50s. He, however, the bridle he patent, he also didn't invent that. He basically stole someone else's bridle. He actually specifically says that in an article. Well, he doesn't say he steals it, but he says, I didn't design the bridle. It traces back to the beginning of the last century. He's like, what I do claim credit for is bringing it to the attention of the public. Because he stole it. Yeah. I didn't know that part. So essentially what happened was in around 1997, maybe 96, he started sending a lot of letters to this man named Edward Allen Buck, who actually prefers to be called Reverend Edward Allen Buck. And that's just going to start us off with like, this man is not working with all the screws. Okay. So basically, Dr. Cook sent a bunch of letters to this man. They connected somehow because Edward Allen Buck had invented what's called the spirit bridle um, or the original bitless bridle. Yes, he got that trademarked, but we kind of all know that there was a version back in the 50s that they used for bulldogging in rodeos because bulldoggers were realizing they were shredding the horse's mouths when they jumped off their freaking good horse onto a bull. Anyways, Edward Allen Buck or Reverend Allen Buck got in touch with Dr. Cook, and they decided to go in business together to manufacturing spirit bridles. That did not last very long as Edward Allen Buck, I don't know, I'm just calling him Buck, is not a well man, but he is the person who originally created the bridle. So let's talk about who is Edward Allen Buck, because he is a very interesting, interesting human. <laughs> so some bullet points about uh, Edward. He is a quarter horse person slash trainer. He is referred to as an American bitless bridal activist. He is real comfortable filing a lawsuit and being his own attorney. And he received his patent for the bitless bridal in 1988. So the first sort of rabbit hole I went down with who is this Alan Buck character was in a 2013 lawsuit against uh, Quarter Horse Association. This lawsuit, I think we could easily change AQHA to FEI or USEA or anything else that has an acronym for their organization. But essentially what he did was in response to a video that went viral in like 2011. It was a YouTube video that showcased some real shitty writing by some adults. Draw reins and curb bits. Say no more. 
AQHA has since banned the use of jaw reins and curb bits in response to this video, but Mr. Bach did not take lightly to this video and started basically pestering AQHA and saying, like, what are you going to do about this? Like, what are you going to do about the abuse that your organization supports and that judges and those at the top are going against the rule books in order to reward and give blue ribbons to horses that are clearly being ridden incorrectly? So he took this to court. Let's see if I can pull up some of the stuff he said. So basically he kind of pestered them and they said, fine, you like aren't welcome in AQHA. You can't train, you can't show, you can't do anything. So the plaintiff is prohibited by AQHA and its agents, including but not limited to the named defendants from earning a living, schooling owners and riders of quarter horses for competitive venues sanctioned by AQHA. Because they banned him, he decided to sue them for um, his antitrust. It was like an antitrust lawsuit uh, because they were he didn't agree with being kicked out of the organization because of the abuse of the schooling techniques that were used and that they were rewarding the those horses or those horses and riders that were riding poorly. So plaintiff, after viewing videos showing horse abuse in the Wampa Arena at the Reichert celebration in 2011, contacted AQHA. The letter dated October 10th, 2011, was an effort by the plaintiff to bring attention to AQHA that there was an outrage swelling on the internet, especially on the horse-related Facebook pages. Woo-woo. The plaintiff <laughs> also offered to provide knowledge regarding equine biomechanics for the judges and any other individuals that would allow individuals to realize the pain and discomfort being inflicted upon horses. Plaintiffs then spoke to on the telephone with the secretary and within minutes the plaintiff received a telephone call from the executive director of judges Alex Ross. His conversation was intent upon blaming horses and avoided talking about the failure of the judges to enforce the rules and regulations. So like I think that's a really important statement that like the judges are saying it's the horses fault for bad training. I think they're the only one exempt from this. <laughs> right? Like how? What did they just like not read their books very well? Like uh, what? But that's, yeah, he's blaming it on bad horses for bad, bad, I don't know. Plaintiff in the letter addresses a lack of communication from AQHA and addresses that the bad judging and, hor and horse abuse. So he then sends a letter um, on violation of the rules. The letter also addresses a telephone call that he received from Alex Rose in which Mr. Ross blamed the horses for bad frames and improper improper gates while avoiding discussing the issues of judges not enforcing the rules and regulations. Plaintiff sends another letter in 2012 to this Don guy regarding their failures um, and outlining what was an animal welfare assurance task force that was set up in 2009. So in 2009, AQH had like an internal audit that went and said like, here's a bunch of policies and a bunch of things you're doing that are like really kind of questionable and aren't in the best regard for the horse. But this was all basically um, what Buck points out is a publicity stunt to make it look like AQH was actually concerned for the horse's welfare and that despite the findings of this 2009 audit, they didn't act on any of it. And they later, after another audit in 2013, did make that rule change about the curbs and draw reins. Basically, like that was not quarter horse's intent, intent was just to make it look like they were doing. The plaintiff 
discovers that on October 2013, AQHA Animal Welfare Commission releases its welfare-related recommendations, which appear to be not much different than the 2009 recommendations. Commission members discuss a concern expressed by many exhibitors that AQHA judges are placing horses that aren't being shown according to standards. However, the commission then states the judges committee should address the concerns. That is like letting the foxes decide which fox gets which chicken. Remember that the judges committee is comprised of individuals who have an individual vested interest in using unconscionable exclusionary conduct to prevent quarter horses from being shown pursuant to the rules. Basically, most of this claims in this lawsuit is that the judges and the people at top in AQHA have horses in the program and that it's in their interest to see those horses win. And so it doesn't matter what methods those horses are doing, they're going to continue to promote them and give them winning scores. Uh, shady. Exactly. Um, so the last little bit I wanted to share from this was that he basically cannot ride in the spirit bridle. He is Eddie Buck, right? Mr. Buck? Yes, yeah, this is all. This is Buck is the plaintiff. So he's the one suing. One of his things is that he's prohibited contact. So he is saying that he's forced to abuse horses because they have to ride in a bit. I think there's only certain classes in AQHA where you can ride in a Bozelle. But the plaintiff prefers to school and ride bitless and the plaintiff's bitless bridle known as the spirit bridle, which has been copied by numerous individuals and companies throughout the world. That's a hint, hint. The plaintiff chooses to do so because of the freedom given to the horse that the results achieved and the horse's mouths are not hurt in any manner. Therefore, besides the non-enforcement of the rules and regulations regarding the frame and gates of bitted competitive quarter horses, the bidding regulations by AQHA also prevent the plaintiff from earning a living schooling and showing bitless and marketing the spirit bridle for competition. So the district court basically dismissed this without prejudice um, Buck's complaint for a lack of jurisdiction because they don't courts don't rule on what individual organizations are doing in this regard. Insufficient service and a failure to state a claim. Essentially, he didn't prove that any of their policies were actually taking money from his pocket. This is a theme in a lot of his lawsuits is that he just doesn't show that any like damages are occurring to him and doesn't this is what happens when you act as your own lawyer. I just don't do it, guys. <laughs> if any of you listen to True Crime Podcasts. Oh, poor guy. Poor guy, but stick with me because he's a he's, he's poor he guy. needs help. He needs help. We're only halfway through his drama. He seriously needs needs help. He refiled and the district court again dismissed the lawsuit against AQHA and at the hearing the district court stated that Buck rapped on the wrong door and needed to make his point in another location not this one. He also sued Kentucky Horse Racing Commission in 2014 and the members of the commission board in their official and individual capacities alleging that they prohibited the use of bitless bridles. So basically he was told by someone that the spirit bridle he designed in back in the 90s or whatever he was told in 2002 that the kentucky horse racing commission was going to like approve this bitless bridle and that horses could be raced in it and then fast forward they basically never approved it and they never allowed for it to be used so this was also thrown out of court both of these cases were thrown out so that is kind of the most recent stuff on edward allen buck i could not find 
the original lawsuit where he sued Robert Cook and he did win. Oh. Because him and Robert did have a business together. They did. I don't know exactly how the breakup happened because I could not find the court documents. I could only find them referenced in other court documents. There was a lawsuit. He did win. Robert did have to pay him. Uh, or Bitless Bridal did have to pay him because Robert took the bridal design. I can see why you wouldn't. This person just didn't have his stuff together. Unfortunate for this, sir, is this gentleman reverend alan buck is he was involved in another lawsuit in 2004 2009 2007 it went on for a couple years i think an incident happened in 2004 but he does have a criminal misdemeanor on his record for theft so he was sued by well he stole from alan myers and mr alan myers took him to court. So Alan Myers met the defendant, the defendant is Mr. Buck, in San Diego in early July 2003, when Myers was commuting back and forth from Utah doing contract work for a data processing company. They discussed a bitless bridal that defendant had designed. Myers was intrigued by the bridal and after speaking with defendant on a couple of occasions, suggested that the defendant see him when he came to Salt Lake City next. In late July, defendant and his girlfriend Pat arrived in Utah with most of their stuff in the car. Myers offered his basement to defendant and Pat until they all figured out how to help the couple back on their feet. When no opportunities arose, Myers suggested that he and the defendant might start a website to sell the bridles. Myers built a website and several months later, Myers and defendant formed a partnership called Supreme Calvary to sell the bridles. The partnership was a 50-50 agreement. Myers was to contribute his computer and website expertise because Myers actually has a computer business, business relations and internet contacts and account credit. Defendant was to market the bridal, contact people, and sell the bridal. All the money put into the business to maintain the website and pay for services came from Myers' computer business, Myers' personal account with Wells Fargo, to which defendant's name was added, and a business account in Myers' name for Supreme Calvary was set up. Defendant did not contribute any money in spite of an agreement that each partner would contribute $100 to the Wells Fargo account. The partnership never owned any assets. Myers alone supported the business with his personal income and his own computers. Any computers used in the partnership belonged to Myers, and the computer the defendant was later charged with stealing from Myers' home was never partnership property. In the summer of 2004, Myers recognized that the partnership was not selling bridles and that he was seeing only a cash outflow from his personal resources and business account. He continued to work with the defendant, but asked him to find a part-time job to pay for his room and board and some of the business expenses. Between August and October, Myers sold only one bridal. In late January 2005, after Myers insisted that the defendant help support himself, defendant got a job working as a living caretaker for Valerie Brown. Until then, defendant had lived rent-free in the basement. After securing the caretaker job, defendant deposited one paycheck into the account. Um, however, he would like then quickly withdrew the money. Defendant had sued Dr. Cook, his former partner, over the patent of the bridal. After defendant moved out of Myers' home, he would usually come by the home two days a week and work from like 8 to 1 p.m. on his lawsuit because he was also suing Cook again. He sued Cook once and won and then sued him again later and lost the second lawsuit against him because he'd already won the first one. And basically what happened with that was there was a glitch at the patent office. The patent office didn't recognize that Cook's bridal looked 
the same as Buck's Bridal. And you know what? There could be a million reasons. Maybe it was a glitch. They didn't recognize the design. Maybe it was because Dr. Cook included those studs and included a bit connection in his patent. Maybe it was because his patent expired. He didn't pay the correct annual fees. There's like a hundred reasons. I don't know what the true reason is. He claimed in the lawsuit documents that I found for a 2006 lawsuit that that's what's being referenced in this. There was a mix up in the patent office like didn't recognize it. But like, I don't know what the truth is. I don't know what the truth is. It was determined by a court that Dr. Cook did steal from him because that was mentioned in the other court case that it was stolen and he did get money compensated for it. So basically what happens is Myers went on vacation and when he returned home on August 28th, he found a letter from the defendant dated on the 23rd and that his computer was gone. His computer was missing. The defendant, Buck, was supposed to be house-sitting and taking care of the animals, yet he left this letter on the 23rd, and the guy didn't come back till the 28th. And I'm like, what about his animals? What about the dogs? What about the animals? Did it say anything? No, it didn't say anything, but I do have the letter. So that's the last thing I want to read from this, is that there was a letter. He was found guilty of stealing this computer, even though he like basically claimed didn't understand why. But his former partner, Dr. Robert Cook, had been a chief veterinary officer at Spirit Horse Limited, which was their predecessor company, to Supreme Calvary. But the defendant claimed that Dr. Cook left the company, stole the defendant's original 1988 design, and patented it. And he did win. Defendant admitted that he had received a settlement from one of his lawsuits against Dr. Kutch, Cook, which ha- was based on defendant's 1988 design of the bridle. Never, nevertheless, he then decided to sue him again in 2003, sued the patent infringement office. He also sued like Obama and Hillary Clinton. He sued a lot of people. Like what I'm saying is he's very comfortable <laughs> suing people. Um, but yeah, he like sued everybody. <laughs> but okay, so I'm trying to find the letter because the letter is what like really, this is what haunted me was the letter. Anyways, he's found, he, he stole a computer. They like show the police showed up at the um, caretaker's place where he was like staying and the police were like sir do you have a computer hey look at that computer right there and he was like but he doesn't mind if i take it but like obviously he minded and he like called the police and this letter was sent to mr alan myers by buck who is the inventor of the spirit bridle which is the design cook stole okay we clear i'm gonna read this letter as i've mentioned this is not a well man it is with a heavy heart and a clear conscience that i leave you behind me and my spirit bridle I highly appreciate the opportunity of filing the lawsuit against Cook. However, everything else heavily outweighs that bit of usefulness in my life. Luke chapter 10, verse 10 and 11 say this, But whatever city you enter, they do not receive you. Go out into its streets and say, Even the dust of your city which clings to our feet we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I don't know. (laughs) The kingdom of heaven is around you, but you do not have eyes to see or ears to hear, and your mouth stays not silent in humility. This is the hardest letter I have ever had to write, but your actions and lack of actions have forced me to act my health and welfare. You made a commitment to supposedly be a business partner. However, your commitment has been not a sacrifice and really commit to the business, but rather it has been to do as little as possible and expect the most in return. That's underlined. He, he meant that. Oh my gosh. In trying to do business with others, you want everything cut rate and the heck with the fact that someone else needs to earn a living from what they provide and this turns people against you and what you have to offer. I have loved as a brother, I think he means I have loved you as a brother, but there's no you. (laughs) As a brother and you have treated me as a cash cow, providing me with as little as possible to exist while expecting a gigantic return. You have lost me. 
underlined, and a great future that will materialize shortly. The reason is simple. You lack the integrity and humility to be truly spiritual. You use your free will nature to be an emotional and physical bully to others. And if anything is said against you, you either try and throw it back on those speaking or blame the adversary. The only place to rest the blame is with you, not with outside sources. It is your free will, your attitude, your present to everyone is simply that you can do everything better than everyone else that you have done it all. Man needs some punctuation. No matter what someone says you can do, you cannot do that. You belittle people with your condescending attitude. You are a control freak, a dominating, manipulative, power-hungry individual. To date, you have done as little as possible to advance Spirit Bridal. To date, you have not changed the website as I requested July 23rd, 2005. Instead, (laughs) you demanded of me that I use the email account you set up instead of what I chose. Once again, you bully. The website is not in our names. It is in your name. And the bank account has your wife's name on it. To wit, I did not give our permission to do that. The straw that struck me in the foot and makes me do what Christ said to do is the fact that you chose to ignore the opportunity of a lifetime for me in Spirit Bridal and thus the business. You knew I requested a round trip airfare to Kentucky and your wife knew the reason and yet you do not have the integrity to call me or see me before you take off on vacation in Oregon. I'm leaving out a sentence for a second because I want to save it. You did not care whether I lost all my stuff in storage and yet I saw you spend money elsewhere. You always hated to give me money for gas or want to do any repairs to my truck, yet I saw you spend money elsewhere. You have whined about the cost of printer paper and cartridges, which basically is the only thing I asked from you after I stopped asking for anything for my truck. The point is, like, this man is not not well. Like, if you are expecting someone else to pay for your everything and not like you had a job you didn't have a job then you got a job like you were capable of having a job you know what i mean like you you're why are you living in this person's basement rent free okay the kicker is this alan you whine at me that you have no money and your credit cards are maxed out yet you spend money for things other than your commitment to the business and i am not talking about living expenses alan you do not know how to sacrifice and commit from the heart which is the spirit within nor to sacrifice and commit to others physically emotionally or spiritually and that is sad you always have strings attached ways that it must profit you in some manner Remember, it was you who screamed at me that I am not spiritual. I am not humble that God does not talk to me and that only you can interpret the scriptures properly. I carry that with me always and yet I have still tried hard to help you and your family. What would President Hinckley, the rest of the members of the presidency and the members of your ward, think of you if they knew that those are the words you spit in people's faces? And then he basically goes on to say, like, shut down the website, shut down everything. So this sentence I left out and the sentence that killed me, I still, I don't even want to read it. I hate the sentence. Okay. So this was before he listed about the repairs for his truck. Um, This was after the, you knew I requested the round trip airfare to Kentucky. Wait, is this going to be sad or funny? I don't know if I'm ready. It's going to be sad. I lost my stallion, which was the poster horse for Spirit Bridal. He went to the killers because you chose not to help, and yet I saw you spend thousands of dollars elsewhere. Uh... Like, that, like, that, just, like, I laid up in bed after I, and I had to talk to Ben so I could fall asleep. How can you say that you have made a product that is to help horses, that is bad, like, you think the bit is evil? Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And you sent your horse to the killers because you didn't want a job? 
Like what? I, I'm so sorry because you were so obsessed with suing Dr. Cook. You had your horse sent to the slaughters. Are you kidding me? I take back every sentence I said about oh, this poor man. That poor horse. That poor baby. Oh, I can't even imagine the fear. And oh, I just, oh, my heart is so broken for a horse I've never met. I lost my stallion, which was the poster horse for Spirit Bridal. He went to the killers. How can it be your poster <gasps> child? Like, that is your horse. Like, you made the decision to go to the killers. Like, is that really? Like, what? what is this story there? And how dare you blame this man for that? Like, how dare you blame him? That like that haunted me. So I wanted to read that letter. He goes on to explain why the website should be taken down. I went in the Wayback Machine. I pulled up the website. It's real obvious why they didn't make a single sale. Uh, the website's confusing. You don't know. There's no like products listed. The only products I think I can purchase are actually dioramas of military forts, which I guess it's called Supreme Calvary. So I guess, but like I thought we were selling bridles. He has like a case study, but the case study, I think he stole from someone else's website. It's not about bridles. It's about a horse that's lame and has a leg issue. Like it's a very confusing website. It was not, they weren't going to sell anything. Yeah, it's just like he's not a well man. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else to like add to that. Um, he also, don't want to forget, uh, he did run for president in 2008 on the Republican ticket. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't think he, I don't think he made it very far but he did run for president oh my god wow that was a twist ending to not see that coming yeah yeah so i did just want to conclude with like i guess we've kind of already covered it i was just gonna say like the the history of the cross under bridal neither cook invented it he didn't invent it like the reason he got a patent for it was because he actually took a halter and added reins to a halter but it's likely that the cross under bridal like that he added the rain it, like it just nobody patent yes you all have patents for it but like this is a design's been out for much longer than that. He did trademark, like I said, the term original bitless bridle. But again, like that's you can get trademarks. It doesn't mean it's true. But that. Yeah. So that's my rabbit hole. I went down because I was like, as soon as I I thought Dr. Cook invented the bridle or like partnered with someone, I didn't realize there was this whole like backstory that he he stole it. He we I, the courts proved that he stole it. But like I wanted to know. I was like, well, then who is this Edward Allen Buck dude? And I was like lawsuit after lawsuit. I thought the quarter horse one was interesting because I feel like a lot of us feel the same way when we watch these organizations support abusive practices. We know, we know <laughs> Marilyn Little still like exists. So we know that there's plenty of organizations out there that happily support abusers because they're winning. It's also when you look at FEI and how they went so far as to make riding in a bitless bridle illegal, like rather than just not ruling on it at all, they went took the extra step to make it against the rules for you to ride in a bitless bridle and yet they like have endorsements of the products of gumbits yeah yeah that I, we talked about previously that like that's its whole own issue you can actively hide your horse's discomfort and pain but you can't prevent it that seems weird what okay you know for those of us who are frustrated by these organizations like there is no course of action like obviously going to like a court of law that's not the right like they don't have jurisdiction they don't have authority over it but like what do you do 
besides to just be loud and complain a lot like how do you like we were talking that like is the only way to make something legal is to pay for it to be legal like if i sponsored fei if a bitless company decided to sponsor fei would they legalize the bet like or legalize hackmores is that the only way that's the only way i could see it happening yeah so yeah that was my rabbit hole that i went down and was like on a little emotional roller coaster as i like read all these court documents um because like i was reading through this and until i read the letter i was like i want to find a spirit bridle like i'll buy a spirit bridle this guy sounds like he's you know could sell a spirit bridle and then i read the letter and was like no I'm not buying a spirit bridle. You can find them on eBay. There's still like a couple out there. He just seems really disorganized. Cook saw an opportunity, took it and ran with it. That, that's just a business. That's just business. Like that's just. Don't want to support either one. I don't want to support either one now because there, there's other products on the market. So I'm good. I don't need to support either one. On that heartbreaking note, thanks for listening. I'm sorry, guys. Do what, do, do, don't, do, do, do what do, does it. Right. Nailed it. <laughs> All right, guys, well, thank you so much for listening to our little rabbit hole. I'm at a loss of words because all I can think about is that the terror that poor Stallion went through and just like, oh, the absolute heartbreak he felt. So the only bright side, only bright side to that is that there was still horse slaughter in the United States. So he at least didn't have to travel to Mexico. The guy also left the other animals he was supposed to be watching for five days without feeding them or anything. So. Right. For his sake, I hope it was a snake. Like, that's it. If it was a snake, you, you're in the clear. But if it was like a dog or a cat, it, nowhere in the lawsuit was that mentioned. But like, yeah, I'd be really annoyed. All right, guys. <laughs> Bye.